Rev3 Adventure offers life-enriching outdoor activities for extreme athletes, weekend warriors, and the casual health enthusiasts of all ages. Each event is designed to unleash the adventure within. Check out Rev3Adventure.com in the show notes to find your next adventure. Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, the legendary Dusty Randy Erickson. I've uh, been uh, doing some sheetrock in the real world and sanding and making dusty. And now I'm going to spray it all down and make it look beautiful. So that's my life this week. Um, this week's guest, Ian Keith, is goes back to my start. Adventure racing. He raced Primal Quest Badlands. Um, didn't know him real well there. And I think the next spot was, and we talked a little bit about this, is on the mountain below the Eiger in Switzerland. Uh, him and JD coming out of the fog singing uh, was something right out of a horror movie. So, um, you know, forgive me, Father, for they have sinned. Uh, other than that, not much coming up 30 days a little under 30 days when you're listening to this before the Maya Mountain Adventure um, getting excited for it you know how that goes 30 days is going to be oh geez we're leaving tomorrow before we know it so I'm trying to get everything lined up so I'm not packing it the last minute the night before um, but I will be so why why fight it uh, anything else um Anybody that's going to Expedition Africa, you know, uh, the race is uh, suggesting that you bring your own media person. And so far, I'm still available. So, um, yeah, you know what I say, I'm cheap but good and fast. So, or you can pick two out of the three. Anyway, that's it. Let's go listen to what Ian says. Mostly we talk, uh, well, we talk a lot about adventure racing, but um, Ian won the spine race last week in England um, beating by not very much our uh, former two-time guest Pavel Polancy so um, kind of like an old home week race so enjoy the show thanks for listening go fast and take my chances. problem is when I do this when I'm not at home which is most of them I'm doing it on my laptop and I have one two three four screens open <laughs> Yeah. So, so trying to find, you know, and I want to monitor a couple of them so I can make sure that we're recording, but we are. So, um, cause this is my first time in a Google hangout or on a Google chat. Ah, okay. I've been, yeah, it seems to work well. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I use Skype a lot, but then a, a little while ago, Facebook started doing, um, via VoIP. So, and what I've discovered is almost everybody re- can get on facebook but a lot of people can't remember their skype login <laughs> yeah yeah so, <laughs> that's true so all right enough with tech talk um how you doing good good recovering nicely so yes you had a um how should we say quite a wonderful race lat was it last week
Last week, yeah. It started uh, on Saturday the 10th, I think it was. And we had seven days to finish it. And I finished on the Wednesday. Yeah. So that was pretty good. So that's the spine. Why don't, you, why don't you tell everybody that doesn't know a little bit about the race, what it is, and, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll, just, we'll talk about that, and then we'll move on to other things. The spine is a race along the length of the Pennine Way in, in England, up into Scotland. And the oldest Waymarks trail in England. So it's about uh, 260 miles long. Uh, but the key statistic is January, January. Yeah. Uh, we are everything in this race from, uh, you know, freezing rain driven by winds, uh, hail, uh, snow, fog, the lot. You know, even on the last morning, we got sunshine, which is the most surprising condition of the lot. And it's it's the length of that in remote mountains for multiple days, nonstop, uh, AR style that makes it such a a rugged race and brings AR style skills to the fore. Yeah, so you're fading out a little bit, but so it's it's a marked trail, but you actually sort of got to do some navigation, right? Yeah, because uh, I think uh, calling it marked is quite kind. It's pretty <laughs> badly marked to begin with. Uh, and, uh, at night time, it might as well not be marked at all. And because it's January, the vast majority, well, the majority. The club of nowhere to the trail tends to get obliterated as well. So, you know, it, it's you're down to pure navigation. And the rules are you follow the trail. So you've got to stick to it as tightly as you can. Oh. So that's interesting. So why did they do the race in January? Just to make it fun? To make it gnarly. Yeah, <laughs> to make it fun and gnarly and interesting. It'll be so much easier. Yeah. Make it angry. I'm making it brutal. My, my neutral observer status on this and why I entered it is it certainly looks like the toughest for me. And I've done the the Tour de Gaunt, you know, the big multi-day race in the Alps. Mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, 320 kilometers, 24,000 meters of climb and descent. And, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's an epic race, but I'd consider the spine a bigger challenge, you know, much harder to survive and get around. Yeah, just, just weather-wise. Um, so what? how much elevation change is there in, in the spine? I've actually forgotten, but it's it's not as much as uh, <laughs> as in the Tour de Gaunt. Nothing is, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it's around ten thousand meters. But I'm not sure. Well, but it's, it it's just, the scale of it is, as uh, it's enough. It yeah. keeps it interesting. Uh, it makes it more of a runnable race. You don't spend your time just you know hiking up on the poles and then flying down. And uh, you know, it's much. More, it does bring the the actual ultra running aspect of it to the fore as well because it's. The hills are gentle enough as to be within the runnable zone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the training starts to pay off and you can start to get that big difference between people who are able to run up the, the moderate hills versus those who have to walk. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah, it's 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 one of those races where, yeah, if you want to go fast you gotta run and, and work really hard, right? Yeah. So. That's right, yeah, and put in the effort and, and you know, control it and for me, the part, my main plan, my my number one objective is to be able to run on the last day, you know, and that's that take brings in all the pacing and all that control that you got to have to do that. It's easy to run on the first day; it's not so easy to run on the last day. Yeah. Do you think it's 
and I'm going to say it's a, this is an obvious question, but do you think the AR background is really helpful in a multiple multiple day race like that? You'll have to repeat the question there. That one broke up. Yeah. Um, do you think having an adventure racing background is is really helpful so you know what to do, you know, that third day? Sorry, Randy, that's breaking up a little. I'm just going to see if I can turn off the video settings here. Okay, yeah. Okay, I've killed the video on my end. Can you hear me now? Yep, I, I did mine too. I had it hidden anyway, but... So, all right. Um, so what I was saying is... The huge... Oh. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Having an AR uh, background is a huge advantage in this race. Uh, the Pavel, the defending champion, has, uh, has a strong AR background as well. In fact, we have a very similar background because we're both experienced AR people or experienced AR navigators as well. And mm -hmm. I think uh, the survival skills and the, the you know, the, the general adaptability that AR people have to yeah. any given challenge is hugely helpful, hugely. And, uh, you know, nothing phases good AR people. And that, you need that. And uh, the, the navigational skills of a good AR navigator really come to the fore as well and be able to, to use them on the fly, you know, that large-scale navigation which we're big maps so i think it's no coincidence that myself and pavel are the two uh the two best uh exponents of this particular style of racing in, in the spine yeah makes same sense. background yeah so and of course i have to throw this in right now because this is what i love about adventure racing is pavel raced with my wife in patagonia in ah. <laughs> i mean <laughs> it is kind of, it, it is kind of strange how you just keep running into the same people isn't it you certainly do. It's a small AR world out there, yeah. for sure. <laughs> so, where, how did you beat Pavel? Because <laughs> you guys were together for uh, quite a while, right? Yeah, yeah, we were, I mean, we were. Great. We were green for a lot of chess moves being made there, little digs here and there. Um my my key break was at the the first time we slept, and uh, we uh, I my priority was we we hit the largest uh, the highest pub in England, and uh, we 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 took a break there. And my priority hitting the place was just put my head down and grab whatever sleep I could until everyone was ready to leave. Yeah. Uh, the other two, because we, we were running at the streets and at the time, uh, ate first and had some drink, uh, and then decided to to join me in having a. watching each other as they were uh, taking off their shoes and you know outer layers to make sure that one didn't make a break for it um, uh, because you know uh, Eugenie the third guy really was latched on the path didn't want to let him go because he's not quite as good a navigator uh, yeah. but, but he is a fast runner nonetheless um, but uh, so they got a little less sleep and when, when we all got woken to get up again after two hours or so mm. uh, I hadn't taken my shoes off deliberately because yeah. uh, uh, I like to keep things uncomfortable because uh, it's easier to stay uncomfortable than to get comfortable and try and reacquaint yourself with being uncomfortable again. Yeah. Um, so I have that perverse logic going on. And also, your feet don't expand when you don't take them out of the shoes. 
So Pavel had great difficulty getting his shoes back on, and I could hear all the cursing and checks as he attempted to do it. Uh, so I just said, uh, I was ready to go by a minute or two at that stage, and I said, okay, I'm walking out the door, guys, you can follow and catch up. Out I went and uh, started trotting down the trail, and uh, that was my uh, my breakaway moment, and they, they never eventually caught up with me again. There was a lot of interesting back and forth afterwards, but uh, that was the key breakaway point. Also, I knew coming into that, we'd been uh, we'd climbed over quite a large hill on the way, and on, it was uh, fairly snow covered, and the traces of the trail were were you know fairly obliterated. Mm-hmm. But I was doing a good job of uh, trail hunting our way down because underneath yeah. the snow was uh, lots of uh, slabs, which if you could find them, make a good solid under snow firm footing, which you run down quite fast. So I had basically led us down that section quite well, and. I, uh, but in my own mind, I, I reckoned I was better at doing that sort of trail hunting than the other two were. And I knew that the section out of that pub, the Tan Hill Inn, was uh, even worse in terms of it was just uh, largely open moorland and bog. And the trail is hard to find in the best of times. And with a dusting of snow over it, it was going to be even harder to find. So I thought if I can get out and, and find this trail first on my own, I'll probably naturally make a break Um you know, just by that superior scale on finding it. And uh, that seemed to work so. uh, because I built up quite a lead by the time I next saw them, which was uh, two or three hours later where I could see them across the valley. And I think I opened up quite a gap over over the, the next uh, stage of that. So, so it's kind of, a, kind of a chess match thinking game, isn't it? Yeah, and that's why, that's why I love these long games. You know, yeah. I'd... If you gave me a choice between outrunning someone and outthinking someone, I'd take outthinking every time. I love that uh, strategic, tactical, uh, sneaky even uh, aspect of racing. The real racers racing, not just performing well, but actually yeah. outthinking people and trying to outstrategize people. And you know, I had a plan in the back of my head for the entire race, a very fluid plan, but just mm-hmm. a few basic ideas of how I'd run it, and you know. I got to to execute most of those those ideas and execute them well. You know, it, it came off pretty good. Yeah, is that? Oh, uh, you know, winning is fun. Which you know, yeah. long long time ago, I won once or twice. But is it even more satisfying winning by using your brain? Definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, the, the the most satisfying ways of winning are winning unexpectedly and and winning winning with your mind more than just, you know, grunting it out, you know, even in AR terms, I like the kind of ARs which involve more mind work, that they're not just a straightforward A, B, C, D, E, follow the, follow the line kind of race, but you might get choice. It's just great. I love those. Love them. Yeah. So you, you broke up there a little bit, but I think we, we get the idea. So, um, yeah. Um, so you've been actually, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you've been doing more, just more running than, than AR last couple of years. Yeah. Since in the last couple of years I have, I'm getting older and, um, you know, I've only got so much time left to performing at, uh, the, top-ish level yeah so uh i'm prioritizing what i'm good at i suppose i'm i'm a i'm a reasonable ar person mm-hmm. but i'm not i'm not top of the top of the pile but in ultra running terms i'm a bit close to the top you know i can i can compete up there with the best in certain circumstances 
uh, particularly the the multi days where I can really mix it in with the best in the world. So yeah. give it a go while I still can. Yeah. Well, I mean, that being said, do you think it, it when the time comes that you're not at such a high level running, do you think you might be back to AR? There, Randy, for, please. Well, I was going to say, you know, there'll be, become a day when you're not at, as top a level runner. Do you think you might be back to AR a little bit? Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I keep my foot in it uh, in the local races here. Um, you know, I do the biggest race in Ireland every year I, I, with, with my local friends, really. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that keeps me interested. It, it doesn't require the big uh, effort and training of, uh, of getting involved in the international expedition races. But at the same time, it keeps me involved in the experiences and keeps me tuned in. And I still love it. Yeah. So. So we actually had a very good year this year, my local team, because the the European AR champs were held in Ireland. So our local race was the European champs, and uh, my team set out with the objective of, of being the top Irish team. And uh, we battled so hard to achieve that objection that we actually came third in Europe, which was uh, a result beyond our dreams to, to to podium at the European Championship. So it, it's it's probably in many ways my best AR. despite not being fully engaged i'm having a great time in ar still so what's what's the scene like in in ireland in ar yeah um it's a bit unusual because we have this strange thing going on where adventure racing has an alternative meaning in ireland uh there's these small races which are small multi-sport races like uh the triathlon's gone wrong which generally involved uh, road biking, hill running, and a really short sit-on-top-paddle stage. Mm -hmm. By short, I mean it could be two kilometers or less. And the whole things tend to last two or three hours, and there's no navigation, and it's individual, and it's, you know, everybody knows the course in advance. uh, And they call it adventure racing, and they're hugely popular. Uh, One or two of the races get, uh, you know, 2,000 people at wow. each race. And they call themselves the, the biggest adventure race in the world, <laughs> even though... You're not adventure racing. Uh, so you have this thing where adventure racing on paper is hugely popular in Ireland, but it isn't. It's, it's a, a huge proliferation of these small multi-sport weapons. Well, right. Small in, uh, in numbers, but yeah. small in terms of uh, what's involved, you know, in terms of experience. Uh, and there's a huge proliferation of those, um, you know, two, two, two particularly big ones. Um, so, the, the, what the perception of adventure racing Ireland is badly skewed. In terms of the real adventure racing uh, scene, as I call it, it it's uh, it's small but quite. four or five uh, short races in uh, in winter of about uh, six or seven hours duration but you know they're proper adventure races and they're good fun and yeah. uh, people love them uh, and then uh, we usually have the one big race a year which is the, the Beast of Ballyhoor which was the one that was European Championships last year Yeah, and it was great we had a turnout of about uh, you know I'd say about 20 local teams took part in that which is a huge number for a uh, what was a, a three-day adventure race and such a small country, you know, so. Uh, yeah. 
So it's not it's not the not the worst place in the world for adventure I racing. Don't, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was is your background in running, or how did you get started with the whole whole mess of adventure racing and ultra running and adventure running and all that? <laughs> uh, in my uh, 20s I started getting into hill walking mm -hmm. uh, and liked being out in the mountains uh, but I suppose in the back of my mind I, I missed the competitive aspect uh, so then I got into mountain marathons which is you know the, the two day staged uh, orienteering events over, over a large scale and I love those because it's combining uh, hill walking slash running with uh, actual competition yeah so and I learned to navigate by doing those. And just my partner was there doing a, a course at the time, and uh, he would talk out loud. And every time he'd make a mistake, we'd both learn from it. So you know, after a couple of years with the same guy, I took over the navigation, and you know that's what I <laughs> yeah. really started developing. Uh, and then uh, a couple, of, you know, in my I was, as at age thirty, I did my first road marathon and uh, discovered a, an ability to run there, which. Uh, uh, I did a sub three hour first marathon, so I was very happy with that. So I knew I had a bit of running talent then. Uh, and the Dublin area here. I'm still involved with it. Um, and uh, in there, uh, back in the year 2000, a few of my more extreme friends saw this. Uh, this online site uh, for and I think one of the first in Britain or Ireland at all, and uh, we we all decided we'd have a go, and so we launched ourselves in, and and uh, for my first one, the, the race in, on paper involves swimming, kayaking, horse riding. Uh, Navigation, hill walking, uh, about eight or nine things, and you marring, abseiling. Of those, you know, I'd never, never sat on a horse, <laughs> never, I couldn't swim, and therefore I'd never kayaked. I'd never owned a mountain bike. I'd last cycled when I was in school. So, in a space of about nine months, I skilled up and, and you know, had to get certified in several of those, learn to swim rapidly, learn to use a canoe rapidly, <laughs> and how to freeze in a canoe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, learned. Right off first to go uh, unranked because the girl on our team had pulled out after three hours. But two of us persisted the whole way around the course and just had a load of fun. We teamed up with two other uh, refugees from other broken up teams yeah. and just team. We had a great time because there was no pressure on us and we learned tons from being, you know, free of the rules. So we were able to, you know, get gear from about four different teams to combine it up and see what worked and what worked well so the learning experience it was it was brilliant and by that drive and determination to get around to finish you know we had a, a great time and we did and we got a, a spirit of the race award in the in the closing ceremony which we were chuffed with so uh so that was a great experience and i was hooked on adventure racing then yeah well it seems to be the consensus people do one and you know our hook of course yeah. I we won't. I probably never talked to anybody that says, "Yeah, I did my first adventure race, and that was it." Never did another. One. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> so, Although uh, one of the teams I trained with, it was exactly that. They had they 
when their team fell apart, they they went exactly the opposite direction. They just said, "Sod it." That was that was not worth nine months of uh, of preparation. So it's amazing. Some people do react differently. You yeah, know? yeah. Obviously, good people who are who people who are destined to love it are just gonna take on all the challenges and you know a bit of failure will be something to be corrected not something to be <laughs> yeah you know, worried about <laughs> yeah makes sense so um so you were hooked and then you just uh just keep after them uh can you repeat that again randy please so you got hooked after your first race and just just obviously your drive just kept you going for more and more yeah yeah and got more and more ambitious you know uh expanded beyond the the local shores after a while you yeah. know looking trying to build better and better teams uh back in the days when the always the first uh, question in ar was how fast is your girl you know and yeah. <laughs> trying to find that that key fast girl and so on and you know trying to build an irish team actually which is even more difficult so so have you had kind of a consistent team or have you always is it have you been more no. of a pickup whoever for a long time, I, I kind of I named my own team Irish AR and mm-hmm. uh, you know built a reasonably consistent one uh, with just changes here and there. And yeah. We we did could do a lot of competition on the international circuit. Uh, we you know we did a few world championships. We did uh, did uh, my favorite experience of all time was probably Primal Quest Utah, which we did in an all Irish team. Mm-hmm. You know, we're one of the one of the teams that made it round all the way, which we were delighted with. Um, so yeah, it, it was a while, but then, um, you know, these things break up and I yeah. started, uh, becoming more, uh, teaming up with people I'd been meeting on the international circuit. Uh, and in, in recent years, in my last few years of adventure racing, uh, I had a great partnership with Thomas Etter and, and whoever else we put together. And then we, we had some great days, uh, racing together. So, and we used to race on truly international teams. It was never, you know. We'd all sorts on yeah. board. And then, of course, you would scrape the bottom of the barrel and race with JD, right? Yeah, well, had, <laughs> that was, I can remember. I think that may be the last time I physically met you was having breakfast with JD yep. with the Iger, which was a great morning. It was uh, cool. I, that was a real That was a real fun experience, I have to say, racing with JD. Uh, I'd race again with a bit of heartbeat. Just, you know, he's so easy to get along with. And he's another determined, committed racer. Yes, uh, which is all I really look for—that determination and commitment. Uh, you know, speed that matters a lot less. It's just, you know, do you have the drive? Do you have the will? Are you reliable? And he's all that and more. So, you know, we got on great. Yeah, you know, two. We, we were racing as a pair for for two days there. Yeah, uh, even, even taking in parts of the course which we didn't realize had been closed and went off and did it anyway. But we <laughs> we had a we had a ball. That was a great experience. Yeah, it was a good time. And then that's been that was the start of uh JD and I's uh dinner on the race course in various countries. So we <laughs> <laughs> So now we've been so Switzerland, let's see, we had we had dinner in Costa Rica together during the race, Ecuador, Wyoming, um Belize next month we're going to, you know, we'll hook up someplace. And these are like real meals in the middle of the Oh yeah, of proper, proper. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll validate that Alpine one. It's been a good, proper breakfast. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> when we were at, yeah. at Primal Quest, you know, it was so weird because I was going back to town to to do to upload video, and I see this team coming down the road, and it's like, you're not supposed to be on this road. And it was 
was forty fifty, and they're pulling into the burger place. So <laughs> we have a, we'll post. I'll That's post the video of JD eating the the uh, one pound hamburger. <laughs> so, but, um, so about food. Yes, JD is all about food. Um, so what's what's up yeah, for this year? I remember the start line. Um. On adventure racing terms, the well, ultra or, race. Or what's, yeah, I mean, like, what's your you run? You know, do ultras, adventure race, or both? Or uh, main, mainly ultras. Um, there's a few things on the plan. There's a, a race which Mark Latanzi is also doing, mm. uh, which is the coast to coast, a new race, coast to coast in the, in England again, mm. uh, which is a great, another great traditional route. Yeah. Um, hillier than the than the spine because it goes through the Lake District, which is just an awesomely beautiful hilly country. Yeah. Um, and it follows a classic Wainwrights route. So that's that's normally on paper, a four or five day uh, nonstop ultra. So, uh, and it's, for, it's first running, so I'm looking forward to that one. Unlike the spine, that one is in June, so yeah. hopefully we'll get gorgeous weather. It'll be a complete contrast. Uh, again, navigation yeah. involved in that one, because it's not a Waymark trail at all. We really have to find our own way on that one. Uh, I'm hoping to do the Spartathlon, which is a classic uh, ultra race in Greece with mm -hmm. you know 2,000 years of history attached to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of the 24 world champions, the two 24 world champions won the Spartathlon last year, actually. Uh, and uh, so it's one on the bucket list that just has to be done, and it's kind of why not this year? Yeah. Uh, uh, the other, there's one or two other sort of 24 hour Irish championships in ultra running. I'm very uh, unusual runner in that I do both trail and flat, which uh, very few, not many do both, and there's not yeah. many do both well. But but I do. I hold Irish records and on the flat, and uh, I was second in the the world six day world trophy running around in circles in Hungary last uh, last year. Uh, but at the same time, I could compete in these uh, big ultra trails as well. So. Um, so uh, I'll also hit the Itera, which is uh, going to be in Ireland this year, which mm -hmm. is the uh, World AR World Chance Qualifier. So yeah. that's a four or five there, yeah. and that's going to be happening in uh, the west of Ireland in uh, September, and uh, it's going to be an epic course. I don't know exactly what the course is, but I know the area it's going to be in, and it's going to be great, yeah. really great. That's cool. Well, um, here's a question for you. How the hell can you be a trail runner and a road runner? <laughs> yeah, it's a very hard one. I mean, yeah, as I mean, I say, that's it's, really it's weird. A combination. Yeah. I think I think that in my case, it's like you know, people would often say, "How can you be a runner and a cyclist?" Uh, yeah. And in the same way, I think they both benefit each other. You know, I got, I I certainly take uh, my own view on it is that everything benefits everything. Yeah. Um, you know, training for the the flat. Um, you know, doing long runs on the road, which I don't do much of. I tend to do most of my long runs in the in the hills because it's just more interesting yeah. and more enjoyable. Um, but you know, hills build the endurance and the strength. Uh, training on the flat just builds a little bit of speed, basically, which you know you can tune up, which you might not necessarily get from the hills. Yeah. Um, adding in a bit of cycling fills in some muscle groups. Uh, to my mind, it greatly reduces the chances of injury. Uh, likewise, if you add in kayaking, you're getting that core exercise and 
even more reducing your chances of injury. Uh, plus, the you know, the more you mix things up, the better it is for the mind because the, you're not going, oh, no, not the same again, not another three-hour run on the same road circuit, yeah. oh, God. Uh, so, um, you know, the mental variety is, is, is uh, great. So yeah. I, I think it's beneficial to do them all. But, you know, I'm a... I'm an unusual species that way. <laughs> it is. Um, which one is tougher mentally? Uh, you know, the spine the or, or a six-day road run? Six-day road run is, is by far the toughest mental thing I've ever done. Mm. Uh, by a huge amount. Oh. It, is, uh, it Really, it just isolates out into the, the pure running aspect of it. And uh, mentally, it's... It takes all my willpower not to pull out of those things. Even you know, it's I have to really focus on the racing uh, and not being beaten, and you know, trying to get in front because that's the thing that keeps me on the road. Yeah. Whereas you know, on the on the AR or on the spot spine-like races, the trail to trails, you've got you know the mountains, and the weather, and the navigation, and everything. You have so much to keep you occupied that uh, it it mentally even though it seems on paper a lot harder, it's actually meant to be easier because yeah. there's more variety, there's more going on. Whereas running around the same one-kilometer circuit for six days is... Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't explain it to you apart from the fact that I'm good at it. <laughs> yeah. um, so just a little aside, do you, use, do you use music for something uh, like that? I would use it on the, the flat races, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, but I've no need for it on the trail races at all. But on the flat races, yeah, I, I absolutely start to use every every potential tool at my disposal to keep my mind occupied because the, the sleep monsters and the sleep deprivation on a race like that are, are just magnified, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, here, I hope you know the answer to this, but is it more important to you to win or not get beat? Uh, that's a <sighs> winning is I think it actually varies with a moment in time mm-hmm. uh, and I, I'll use different motivations at different points in time uh, I, I, I had a to illustrate it I, I, in a lot of 24 hour races I would spend uh, the first half of the race hammering out a pace mm-hmm. and my main target will be to, to hit a definite defined distance and a defined pace and that's my target and my achievement but as as keeping the pace becomes irrelevant because i'm running as best i can and that's that it doesn't yeah. matter um i start focusing on next you know who am i catching what's mm-hmm. their number where are they and i'll target them and haul them in and catch them down and then ask for the next one and so on yeah. uh because I'm a good pacer, it tends to be that way rather than who's catching me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who do I need to keep behind me? Uh, it, usually I'm the one doing the overtaking in the second half of the race, which again is a target. So uh, I don't have a straightforward answer to that. Yeah. That's, that's a moving target. Yeah, makes sense. So um, back to AR for a minute. And, that, and I'm required by law sort of now to ask this question. Yep. So, what's your, what was the best and the worst six hours of adventure racing you ever had? Ooh, uh, the best would probably be uh, the rope section in Primal Quest, Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, the last rope section. Uh, it was just phenomenal. It was a bit longer than six hours. Yeah. And every every second of it was was just an awesome experience. Hitting the hitting the rocks and under the moonlight, looking at the waiting to get on the ropes and looking at the teams ahead, uh, lighting up the rocks with their head torches. It was like a scene from a science fiction movie. Just stunningly awesome. And then on the ropes ourselves, you know, 100 meters up, 100 meters down. And then all finished with the most amazing um, flying fox, what you call it, you know, that... Um, Trevelyan? Wrong. Yeah, Tyrolean onto this this tiny little spike, you know. It was stunning. Absolutely stunning. You know, they 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 used helicopters to set this up by all accounts and it, you know, it was a one off and yeah. it really was. Normally, because I come from an alpine climbing background as well, normally these kind of rope section are eh, you know, it's just a bit of an abstail. But this one was stunning from start to finish and you know it had a purpose and it was a great and it was awesome and that was that was truly stunning a highlight of a highlight that was the highlight of the probably my favorite race yeah. uh, so that's probably the best six hours uh, worst oh any number of sleep deprivation experiences <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also i have to say a food one for you uh, same race mm-hmm. we were coming back in We're coming back into the town in the middle of the race, and we knew there was a McDonald's there. And I'd been allowed my mind to work up McDonald's fantasies in my head. You know, mm-hmm. I was going to have a quarter pound of cheese. I was going to have strawberry milkshake. I was going to have fries. And you know, in the middle of an adventure race, as you know, yeah. I mean, like this is so awesome. Uh, we were literally cycling up towards McDonald's, and we were about thirty meters short of it when the golden arches lights went out. Oh no! <laughs> oh man! That was a full-on tantrum. We then, we then tried to cap, compensate by going into the nearby uh, Burger King, but only the drive through was open, and they wouldn't serve us because we were on bikes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up at the 7-Eleven, which would have been fine if we, that was all we had in yeah. the first place, except that was two steps down by then. So Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I grabbed a two-hour sleep, and I remember having weird nightmares through it. So it was just a bad experience there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that is the worst. I yeah, <laughs> it's a terrible thing to build up those fantasies when you when you don't get them. It's yes. good to build them up, you know they're coming. But that was so close, literally seconds away from being good. Oh, pretty. And, and as, that was four or five days in, so those seconds were oh. <laughs> <laughs> But there's nothing you could do. Nothing you nothing. can do about it. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so, um, what was I going to say? Story of my life. Remember, forgetting what I was going to say. Um, no worries. Uh, for the spine, how much gear did you have to carry? Because it looked like you had a fairly. It was a fairly big mandatory gear list. It was the biggest mandatory gear list uh, for a running race I have to deal with because, you know, you've got a sleeping bag and a a bivy bag or a tent if you're really feeling uh, adventurous. Uh, You have to carry cooking gear, which I disagree with, but it's on the rules, so we do it. Uh, You know, plus the usual uh, maps and compass and uh, spare clothes and uh, what? uh, um, GPS is mandatory on it as well. 
which I normally wouldn't like to use a GPS, but if they're going to make me carry it, I'm going to carry a good one and use it. Yeah. So, um, so quite substantial. I weighed the, the pack beforehand at about uh, five kilos. I don't know what that translates to in American uh, money. About but, 12 uh, pounds, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is quite big for a running yeah. pack. Yeah. And that was without water. Now, I don't take a lot of water with me, but again, race rules, so you have to have the capacity to carry two liters. Yeah. So uh, I had three water bottles, but only ever used one, um, which did keep the, the weight of the pack down in real terms. Yeah. I did carry one extra piece of uh, kit, which wasn't on the mandatory kit, um, but I just uh, it was one I wanted to have in, in case the things got really bad, which is I have a, a, a pre-production piece of Columbia gear, which is uh, Columbia, one of my great sponsors, mm-hmm. uh, which is a fully waterproof down jacket. Uh, it's like a shell layer that happens to be a down jacket, and I reckon that was uh, that was one of my secret advantages. You know, I didn't have to protect that down jacket, but you know, you get a lot of weather where a down jacket could be a real boon to have. You yeah. know, something really comfortable and warm to put on when it gets cold, and particularly the wet cold which you get in the UK, which is very, very, very hard to deal with if you don't deal with it quickly. So yeah. that I was, I was willing to carry the extra weight of that for the, the for potential performance uh, gains, which I did get um, when I used it, which wasn't often. But even knowing I had it was was a, a bit of an advantage because I was, I was fully confident that no matter what the weather did, I'd, I'd have a warm torso. Yeah, would, um, would you rather? Do you think you're good in miserable weather? Would you rather? Would you rather race in a miserable? weather or when it's nice oddly enough i think i'm good in miserable weather because i know technically how to deal with it mm-hmm. and obviously living in ireland i train in it all the time because if you wait for good weather in ireland you're not going to train <laughs> you know uh, so uh unfortunately you get you get used to it in ireland that you get you know you learn how to cope and you learn to use I'm I'm overdressed compared to most of the locals here. They tend to go out in their shorts and t-shirts yeah. and ignore the fact that uh, there's an Atlantic storm uh, brewing. Whereas I will actually don the full waterproof layers and say any fool can be uncomfortable. I'm learning. I'm using the right gear so I can go long and still, you know, arrive back home alive. Uh, so I tend to train with the with the the right gear and uh, I carry it all with me anyway. You know, train with the rucksack on, so I'm well used to. The rucksack yeah. and actually weight down the rucksack so I'm used to hauling a weighted rucksack around to, to simulate race weight even if I'm not fully even if I'm not carrying all the city manager gear mm-hmm. I'll simulate the weight of it by just bottles of water yeah um so uh I'm good at handling bad weather I just don't like it one bit at all I'm equally I'm very good at handling hot weather so that, uh, for instance, uh, I've raced in the desert uh, quite a few times. Uh, Utah being the obvious example. I also, yeah. also did the Abu Dhabi Adventure Challenge twice, mm-hmm. where you're in the proper Arabian desert doing, uh, you know, a hundred k trek, or you're off the coast doing huge kayaking legs with, with, with very, you know, just the sea for companies of water is an issue. What I, what I discovered in those is I'm far better at handling heat than not only easily. More better than my Irish teammates, but generally better than most people. Full stop. It's, so uh, it's an unusual trait to have for an Irish person, but I'm actually good at heat. Yeah, you are a genetic freak, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I think I. Uh, I would actually say that it's not fair for top athletes to say that they're not, because you know yeah. people will say it's all hard work. You know, 
It's yeah. not all hard work because lo- anyone can do the hard work and a lot of people do and they still don't make the top because you do need the genetics as well. So yeah. I, I think to be, you know, winning international races or performing at the front of the field, you do need to be a bit of a genetic freak. There's no doubt about it. No. Uh, and it's unfair, you know, it's unfair to say otherwise, quite frankly. Worth have to require, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I can do the hard work. I'm not going to keep up with you. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it, you know. And, and to be fair, it's it. that's the way it is. And likewise, you know, I come across people who are just better, you know. Uh, yeah. So there you go. You know, plenty of examples of AR. <laughs> <laughs> There's. Um, if, my recently retired uh, Kiwi friend is a very obvious genetic freak of uh, huge proportions, you know. That, uh, yes, he is. Just an awesome athlete. Awesome. And there's just nothing you can do about guys like that. They're just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> just try to keep up with them. Well, you know what I yeah. say? You never see me running with a team on the first day. You know, I, yeah, <laughs> the, third, the third day maybe. Then I yeah, think damn right. There. Yeah, <laughs> so. they have tired of saying that. <laughs> they always do. <laughs> yeah, you gotta know your limitations. Um, let's see what I had. Here I go again. I'm forgetting my my uh, no my questions, but um, well, who knows? Maybe I don't have another one. What? I'll give you one. Okay, give me a question. Yeah, do you like racing in America? <laughs> yes, I do, Randy. It's yeah. one of my favorite countries to race in, I have to say. Uh, uh, I've always had great, great experience racing with Americans and mm-hmm. uh, racing in America. Uh, America is, uh, you know, a lot of Europeans underestimate just how wonderful a country you have over there and oh. the tremendous outdoor uh variety and and scale and size of it is just uh, brilliant you know we we don't really have it in europe yeah uh, it, it's harder to escape civilization in comparison because um, it's more densely populated america's yeah. just awesome and uh, i've i've raced uh, several big races in in uh, in uh, both the us and one and one in canada no bad experience all just top class. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I find that uh, Americans tend to be great to race with as well. You know, every, every American adventure racer I've, I've met, I've got on with. And, uh, you know, any time I've raced with them, we've just had, you know, as with JD and, and Thomas in particular, it's been truly superb experiences. Yeah. Well, I, I have this theory that uh, Americans freak out over accents so they're really nice to people with cool accents yeah i think that there's a there's a truth to that yeah it's just like oh you, wow you you sound like you're somebody important yeah and i'm happy to ride that if i can yeah <laughs> every advantage you can i'll take every advantage i can get um, what's no how strange this is i've just i've never asked anybody this and you can it can either be AR or running, but what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen racing? Ooh. Uh, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of a, 
It's kind of have, an odd one. It, it is, I'm, and I'm trying. I'm sitting here thinking, well, what's the weirdest thing I ever? Yeah, there has been a few things. I'm just trying to recall them. You know, probably more in training. I've seen some really odd well, things. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I can remember we went. Uh, oh, this is 15 years. No more than that. We went down in the spring down to Arkansas to do some cycling. This is when we're really doing a lot of road cycling, and there were three of us, and we were. You know what the '80s, what cyclists looked like in the '80s, yeah. with all. Yeah, we were riding down this road, and this pickup with three guys comes up beside us and says, and they just look at us and they're like, "Y'all ain't from around here, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and it wasn't a mean thing or anything like that. It was just like, and yeah. we we could have been eight space aliens, and it wouldn't have been yeah, any more yeah. weird. We're to just them. straight up call it as it is. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, lots of that in AR, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, definitely. Like, what are you doing yeah. out here? So. <laughs> All sorts of weird things. Uh, yeah. There were, I could, yeah, most weird things are things you're seeing that aren't actually existing. The good old sleep monsters and hallucinations, of course. But, you know, yeah. But we've all got those from AR. Uh, mine are relatively benign. You know, I just did, you know. Dropping mobile phones, even though I don't have a mobile phone. Uh, you know, reaching for the aid that's been placed on the rock that doesn't exist. Uh, I prefer exploiting other people's uh, uh, hallucinations. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there are plenty, you know, when teammates start losing the mind. Just, just uh, to, oh yeah, there's a bear over there. I see him too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you know, kayaking down the the Green River at Utah, the guy in the boat behind me says to me. That's got to be on the map. And of course, nothing different around. So it has to be a hallucination. What's that? Oh, it's a big clock. Which big clock is that now? The big clock on the cliff over there, the one with the two lions on either side. That's disgusting. I wouldn't have it in my home. <laughs> oh, I just love it. So I'm giggling away, encouraging you to pull the story out. Uh, actually, in, in the, the Tour de Gaon, uh, another Irish guy was running it. He had the best solution. I have ever heard a very unusual one. He hallucinated he was someone else that never heard of. That's... Someone very specific. He hallucinated he was Barack Obama leading his people to freedom through the Alps, that he was on this great mission to uh, to save his people. Uh, and he spent a couple of hours hallucinating that he was Barack Obama, which is That's a... absolutely bizarre, particularly for an Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, you know what? We're not going to top that. I think it's time to time to quit. <laughs> he, he, he was on a different mission, and yes. he was uh, protecting the Chinese premier's son, who was running just behind. And in real life, what he was doing was running along, and he was moving all the markers a couple of foot to one side. He, he was paranoid that they're out of place, and they were trying to get at the Chinese premier's son. He arrived into an aid station, and he said he was disgusted because they, they showed no acknowledgement for the fine job he was doing in protecting that. The Chinese premier son. <laughs> so he was fully encased with his bubble there. Wow. That's <laughs> a good one. Hours of, yeah, that was a that was outstanding. Best I've ever heard. So, yeah, I'm gonna that's a good one. So um well cool. This has been a fun chat. I'd I think I've tried we'd tried once before to get you on and it just didn't work out. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I you know, I, I, I remember <laughs> I can't remember why, but yeah, I think it happened. Yeah. yeah so, well, this was a good chance. I had to finally get there because you know, 
I haven't seen you in a few years. It was yeah. always it was always good meeting you at the wild. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm always like, every race director knows me because I'm always like, hey, why don't you bring me to your race? So maybe yeah. I'll make it to Itera. <laughs> it would be good. It would be it would good. Be It'd be worth the trip, that's for sure. Yeah. You, so. you, one thing I can guarantee about Itera is you will see the best of Ireland. That's the best thing about. Well, that's maybe the best that, thing about AR. Yeah. I have to say, you know, you could spend. When I, I that's what I probably most miss about AR. Hmm. The race directors go to all that trouble to put five or six days of the most awesome experience in whatever part of the world it is together. Yeah. And you would spend so much money if you tried to do that yourself, and you wouldn't get half the experience. Absolutely. And I think that's what uh, the athletes really appreciated about the World Champs this year, even though there was the obvious downside. That yeah. So left difficult at the same time. Yeah. You know. Overall, I'm jealous of the awesome experience they got. That that would not be repeated in a lifetime, you know. Yeah. Uh, two Irish friends of mine actually uh, did the, the first God Zone on their honeymoon as a couple. Wow. Uh, the TW2 Kiwis. And on the first leg of that, they were kayaking down, um, uh, I've forgotten the name of it, but this world-famous uh, uh, fjord in the west of New Zealand. And which is awesome enough in itself to mm -hmm. get that experience of kayaking down this awesome landscape. But they had dolphins accompanying them beside them in the boat, which is wow. just putting the icing on the cake. And that on your honeymoon, I mean, as I said to them, that's a, nobody gets that. That's a one, that's an outstanding life experience that money just can't buy. You know, and that's AR. You know? that's, absolutely. <laughs> we're all so lucky to, to be part of that because, uh, I, that's what I always remember, and I have such strong memories of every race because, you know, wherever in the world it is, it takes you to, to just such great places and such great adventures, you know. So it does. So, well, cool. Well, you know, this really applies to you when I tell everybody to go fast and take chances. So, <laughs> and I do. <laughs> so. I try my best. <laughs> well, cool. Well, good luck racing this year, and hopefully we'll see you at an adventure race pretty quick. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, like I said, well, definitely I tear it. I, must, I would like to get back eventually, but work to be done in the meantime. There you go. <laughs> so. Races to be conquered. <laughs> great. Well, thanks for the chat. Uh, thank you, Randy. I've enjoyed it. It's been great. Okay. We'll talk to you sometime. Talk to you sometime. Bye-bye. Bye. Hundreds of years before the dawn of history lived a strange race of people, the Druids. No one knows who they were or what they were doing. Stonehead.
dogs cry And the cats meow I will take you there I will show Yeah. 